WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. On Monday, Charlotte Mecklenburg and Union County students are just some of the thousands of families getting ready to return to the classroom. But as schools start the new year, there are some returning challenges. Teacher shortages and learning loss still plaguing districts nationwide. Coming up a little bit later, we'll speak with the president of the state's largest teacher organization on how they're tackling the issues. But first, joining us now is North Carolina State Superintendent Catherine Truitt. Superintendent, thanks for coming on Flashpoint. We appreciate it. Hey, Ben, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Um, so in the last few weeks, I know you've reported some really encouraging gains when it comes to elementary literacy rates um, post pandemic. Uh, just the news we want to hear as we're headed back into school. Um, why do you think that is? What's working? Well, you know, improving reading outcomes for students in our state has been a priority of mine since taking office in January of 2021. And we've worked alongside teachers, higher ed partners, and the legislature to put um, legislation that passed with bipartisan support, uh, the governor signed it a week later in April of 2021, that would require our teachers to go back to a phonics-based approach to early literacy instruction. You know, in the 80s and 90s in this country, we moved away from phonics and looked at something called whole language. And as it turns out, that's not how the brain learns to read. So we've looked at a research-based approach. It's science-based, science of reading, and the state paid for all pre-K through fifth grade teachers, all 44,000 of them, to get this very hardcore, um, uh, very lengthy training called letters. Uh, and, and that has really, that, that training um, is when we started seeing a big difference in our student data. Uh, switching gears now, teacher recruitment and retention uh, we know it's a, a big challenge. We, we talk about it here a lot in Charlotte, but I know it's also a, a problem at the statewide level. At, at your level, how big of a problem is this across the state? Well, so we take vacancies very seriously, teacher vacancies, and um, we actually measure them formally every fall. Um, teacher vacancies look different in all 115 districts. Some districts aren't having trouble um, recruiting and retaining teachers, and others are. Um, it's very um, geography related. Um, but there's there's something else besides vacancies that we need to look at when when we when we talk about teacher recruitment and retention, and that is <clears throat> we collect data that that um, as per the, the the law to to track what teaching um, re recruitment and retention looks like. And actually, the teaching workforce has been very stable throughout the pandemic. Teachers are leaving um, the profession at a slower rate than they did a decade ago in North Carolina, which is really good news. Our teachers are hanging in there and, and sticking with the profession despite all the obstacles. What we're really more concerned about, Ben, is that we don't have very many young people enrolling in our educator prep programs. So that's something that, that we want to continue to follow. Uh, how big of this, because I realize this is a, a multifactorial issue, um, mm -hmm. how big of this is teacher pay? Uh, I know some folks will say that we're 46th in beginner teacher pay. You might d debate that, but how big of a problem do you think teacher pay is in that recruitment? Well, when I look at um, studies about what Generation Z and <clears throat> before that millennials want from a career, there are lots of things in, in teaching 
that um, don't go along with what that wish list is for our young people. You know, they don't see themselves staying in a job for, for 20 years. Um, they don't see themselves um, going to work every day in an office or in a classroom and being in the same place every day, five days a week. They want more of a um, work-life balance. They want more of a um, uh, flexibility of scheduling. And, and, you know, teaching doesn't offer that. And, and so we, we have to think about what this profession is going to look like over the next 20 years. Um, I think pay has something to do with it, but I also think there's a lot of misconceptions about, about teacher pay. And surely I am hoping along with all of our other teachers and parents, I'm sure, that this year's budget is going to make a big dent in that beginning teacher pay ranking. I, I wanna talk about the General Assembly because uh, they're also in addition to that budget that's looming. Um, they've also pushed quite a bit of support for, for charter schools this session. Um, I, I don't know you, but I assume this puts you in a slightly odd predicament because I know you are a Republican, but you're also the superintendent of public schools here in North Carolina. Where do you come down on this uh, when, you know, Republican colleagues in the General Assembly, uh, you know, promote these ideas? And, and where do you come down on the whole idea of funding students and not systems? Well, I, I am, first of all, as, as an educator and a parent, regardless of political affiliation, I come down on students and their families. Um, and I think that, um, let's be clear, charter schools are public schools. So I think um, what the General Assembly has done is offered to give more support in the form of opportunity scholarships or vouchers for families that may want to send their child to a private school because for whatever reason they feel that their neighborhood public school isn't meeting their, their child's needs. Um, I'm okay with that, provided that there is accountability that comes with taking those state dollars. And that would mean that any school, um, public or private, that takes funding from the state needs to participate in some sort of nationally normed exam. If you're gonna take money from the state, you need to be accountable. Um, that that may come, I, I don't know, and we, I don't know where this is gonna shake out in the budget. We're, we're all still waiting for the budget. Um, but as a, as a parent and as an educator, I believe 100% that the parent is the best person to decide what's right for their child because no one cares more about that child than that child's parent. Uh, something else we've talked about a lot here is uh, this whole school calendar thing. And when is the <laughs> right time that a school is supposed to start and that there's not really an enforcement mechanism. It's supposed to be this one date, but other schools go earlier and there's nothing you can really do about it. Um, where do you fall down on this? I mean, sh should there be uh, uh, one date that we all start on um, or, or not? Absolutely not. I believe in calendar flexibility. Um, I, I think that most North Carolinians do. I think most legislators do. Um, but but it is something that gets held up every year um, in, in legislation. Let me be clear about why I believe this. Having, having calendar flexibility for our districts is a very student-centered thing. There are many reasons why districts want to have calendar flexibility, and they all center around what's best for students. And it has to do with community college alignment, um, being aligned to, to those calendars, because we have so many students in dual enrollment. 
um, our early college high school, having that calendar alignment, but it also has to do with when students take exams. It has, does not make sense to me as a teacher or a parent to have students come back from Christmas break and take exams later in January. Um, but that said, I, I will, will never advocate that districts deliberately break the law. That This is a decision that all local school boards have to make for themselves. Are they going to break the law and do what they think is right? Or are they going to continue um, to uphold the law and um, let, you know, let the chips fall where they may? One of the big pushes you've made is to change the way teachers are licensed. What's, what's the argument for basing pay off something like performance given that there are a lot of schools out there in, in underserved communities? How do you reconcile that? Yeah, so the changes that we want to make with licensure really are, are not based on teacher performance in the in the form of, of test scores. Um, and they're only based in part on teacher performance. The changes that we're proposing to make with licensure are that we tie teacher pay to license level and that that license level has to do with the um, with the extra responsibilities that teachers take on in leadership roles. For example, if I'm a teacher um, who is mentoring a, a beginning teacher, we know our beginning teachers leave at a rate faster than all other teachers, they need extra support. Uh, and so if, if I'm an experienced teacher who doesn't want to leave the classroom to go into administration in order to get a promotion and more pay, I could be part of a group of teachers who has a special license that can mentor young teachers while I still get to teach half the day. Or I could get even further promoted and do this at the district level and not just the school level. And to be honest, Charlotte Mecklenburg schools are doing this already. It's just that not all of our districts have the resources to do this. And if we were to change this in legislation um, through the licensure policies and laws that we have, then all districts would be able to take advantage of this. State Superintendent Catherine Truitt. Superintendent, thanks for coming on. We know it's a busy time for you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, more Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Teachers unions across the state of North Carolina pushing back against the Republican-dominated General Assembly. GOP leaders trying to change what teachers report to parents, but some say it goes too far. Joining us now is the president of the North Carolina Association of Educators, Tamika Walker-Kelly. Tamika, thanks for coming on Flashpoint. Thank you for having me today. Uh, as we start the, the new school year, what do you see really as the, the greatest challenge facing some of our teachers? Well, we are still in the midst of an educator shortage all across the state, not only from classroom teachers to our support staff. And so one of the greatest concerns is making sure that we are able to run our schools effectively and have well qualified educators in every classroom to help our students along their academic journey this year. Uh, and I know this is a, a, a multi-factor um, problem that, it, that includes a bunch of variables, but but what do you see is, is the biggest obstacle in fully, fully staffing our schools like we really need? Well, one of the things that we have here in the state of North Carolina is that we have a recruitment and retention issue with high quality educators. As you know, educator pay lags among our 
our neighbors here in the South and um, North Carolina and South Carolina, Virginia, we've seen in Mississippi and Alabama. And so we're trying to remain competitive by drawing the best and the brightest to the state. However, we know that educator pay is an issue and it causes many of our best educators to leave the state or leave the profession entirely. Well, we, speaking of, we know the state budget remains in limbo as of this taping. What, what pay increase w would you like to see? Um, and, and knowing that you probably won't get that exactly, are you comfortable um, with a compromise that might happen? Well, one of the things that we continue to advocate for here at NCAE is making sure that we have professionally paid educators and educators are not immune to inflation like any other profession. And so we need a pay raise that acknowledges the hard work that our educators do on a daily basis, but also allows them to live with dignity in order to pay their bills and not have to work a second job or not have to leave the profession entirely. And so we have continued to advocate for a raise that does that and also ensuring that our support staff also have more than a $15 living wage in order to compete with private contractors as well. Do you feel like they've been receptive at the General Assembly? Well, we have had many conversations with legislators on both sides of the aisle about educator pay, and we are looking forward to a hopeful movement towards a professional salary for all of our educators in the state. Um, as you are well aware, the General Assembly has, has been in the middle of a big push to expand private school vouchers. Um, advocates for school choice say that parents, parents should have really the final say in their child's education. They say you should support students and not systems. Um, why are they wrong? Well, there are thousands of parents, working parents like myself and others, who have chosen their child's public school, who have asked the General Assembly to invest in our public schools. As you know, we have a long-standing case with Leandro versus the state of North Carolina, where public school parents have petitioned the courts to fully resource our public schools. And so our North Carolina state constitution tells us that we are to fund one system of schools and the expansion of private school vouchers creates two different systems, one private and one public, one accountable to the taxpayers, our public school system, and one unaccountable. And so we will continue to advocate for the full funding of our public schools because we are open to every single student, regardless of who they are, where they come from, their background, or how much money their family makes. Do you feel like there's, there's an effort among some, not, not among all, but about, <clears throat> among some to undermine our public school system? We know that public schools are the bedrock of democracy here in North Carolina and all across the nation. And we have seen attacks on our public school system from trying to limit what educators can teach in a classroom to like we, we were just talking about the expansion of private school vouchers which divert public funds uh, to private entities. But one of the things that we know is that through polling and also through our conversations with communities and parents alike that we support and love our public schools. And so we will continue to advocate for what our public school students and educators need because that is what working families have chosen for their students. But do you feel like that that's the feeling of, of lawmakers in Raleigh? Well, we know that there is a mixed consensus about public schools in the General Assembly, but we know that our legislators need to listen to their constituents about what they want for their communities and for their public schools. 
Uh, let's talk about the pandemic because while it's it's technically over, its effects certainly are not. It has been a challenge for, for, for teachers, students, families across the board. We're still coming out of it to a large extent, although I've seen encouraging news about about students making up for some of the learning loss. What are your, in your mind still needs to happen to make sure both students and teachers feel supported and feel like they, they've made up for that time? Well, one of our legislative priorities that we have continued to push as NCAE is to increase accelerated tutoring supports for students in our schools. Our educators, as you know, in the middle of this educator shortage are trying to make sure that our students' academic needs are met in school. And so we need those additional resources, including additional staffing, in order to provide uh, deep attention to what our students may need in schools. And so if that means additional small groups, additional uh, academic resources, such as additional curriculum tools. Um, we continue to advocate for those things because our students have, you know, made growth, but there's more growth to be made for our students. Um, Republicans in the General Assembly have also been pushing uh, the idea of uh, a parent's bill of rights is what some call it, that would require teachers to uh, alert parents to uh, any sort of issue related to trans issues within students. Um, what's your take on this? Well, we know that this piece of legislation is made to create division between parents and educators when studies show that the parent-school relationship is one of the single indicators of high student success. Um, we know that the drafters themselves said that many of the provisions in this law already exist for parents. And so our focus here at NCAE is to, is to continue to elevate positive parent and student relationships, parent-educator relationships, because we are all stakeholders and wanting to make sure our students succeed and we cannot allow this partisan tactic to continue to provide that positive relationship got to get everybody on the same page and, and get teachers and parents working together i know my parents were all my parents were always on team teacher no matter what i went home and complained about or said my parents always always took the teacher's side and i was always upset about it but it was good in the long run it was good in the long run even though i did not appreciate it in seventh grade all right listen tamika walker yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, Tamika, thanks for coming on Flashpoint. We do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools implementing a controversial policy just put into law by the North Carolina General Assembly. You know, CMS is one of the first districts to start making that policy change to comply with the Parent Bill of Rights. More than 50 people spoke, and the majority were against the new changes. The Parents' Bill of Rights largely codifies rights parents already had at CMS schools. Access to school materials, the ability to file a formal complaint, and opting students out of school surveys. We already do it, then continue to do it, and do it. But for years, I have unsuccessfully tried to get information about my child, what she's learning, the type of studies, the books, the tests. The most controversial portion of the bill bans most sexual education topics for kids in kindergarten through the fourth grade. And some people may think that they are too young to hear these things. However, I would say that if one of their friends has two dads, that they're not too young to hear that they have two dads. That's okay. We can say that. We already tell them that this other child has a... Uh, a mom and a dad. For students in fifth grade and up, reproductive health and safety education curriculum begins. But now parents must opt students into this curriculum. 
Previously, students were automatically enrolled and parents had to send a written note to opt students out. The other controversial portion of the bill requires the school to tell parents when a child requests a change to their name or pronouns. For example, a child named Alexandria wanting to be called Alex in school needs parent consent. A child wanting to go by they, them also needs parental consent. I'm really concerned about what's going to happen for our, our youth, especially our LGBTQ youth. And I'm worried that teachers also are going to feel uncomfortable and maybe even a bit hesitant to speak to students when they maybe want to talk to them about sexual identity issues. Proponents say parents have a right to know. If you vote against the changes, then you're, you're voting to not uphold the law. CMS says it's voting to make the policy changes because if they don't, both teachers and the district would open themselves up to litigation for defying the law. Shamaria Morrison, WCNC Charlotte. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint, folks. Come interact with us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if there's something you want us to cover on Flashpoint, let us know. And as always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. And we'll see you back here next weekend.